Welcome back to the faithful followers, and welcome to the new listeners we have for this episode of Top 2 Poker Podcasts. This is your second favorite host, Chase Bianchi. What up, guys, girls? This is a little bonus episode. It comes to us from a live Q&A that I hosted on my Twitch channel. Our guest, Alex Assassinato Fitzgerald. Alex is one of the most prolific poker coaches in the industry. Alex is a guy that garners a ton of respect from his peers, mostly for his pursuit of poker knowledge and for providing a ton of content, both free and paid services. I would highly recommend you check out all of Alex's free stuff as well as his paid service. Alex also co-hosts his own podcast, One Outer. Shout out, Barry, if you're listening. Of which I have been a listener for, gosh, probably at least a year. And I've even written into his podcast, got my questions answered. Uh, when I won my WSOP bracelet, I even wrote in to kind of share that victory with them. Even called it a one-outer bracelet in some ways. So uh, I'm super pumped that I got this Q&A with Alex. It's on his new book, The Myth of Poker Talent. So without any more waiting, enough listening to me, let's ask Alex. Is it just... Twitch.tv slash Chase Bianchi. It's Chase Bianchi. I'm saying it right? I'm yeah, saying you got it, right. it, buddy. Nice Italian. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Italian. You know you know what part of the boot you're from? Uh, Lake Como? I want to say it's up uh, fairly far north. Oh, that's like the, that's like the nice part. That's oh, yeah. Really, that's, you ever been back? Yeah, we went back for a family reunion when I was in high school. Oh, that's 16. cool. That's cool, man. That's a, that's a good time. I was trying yeah, to think, know. you're in Costa Rica, and I'm thinking, what time is it in Costa Rica right now? Like, silly American, I have no <laughs> idea where Costa Rica is. Uh, it's, uh, no, it's, uh, it's about two, two hours back, so it's not, it's not that bad. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's kind of hard for anybody to know what time it is, because Central America uh, doesn't observe daylight savings, so it changes throughout the year. So Oh, you're like the good. Arizona of... World. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Costa Rica's in Central America. It's right between Nicaragua and Panama. So if you know where those are, if you know where Colombia is, it's a little more. It's right in that little section where they, you know, we force the Panama Canal on people. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, I get yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> no, and let me see. I'm trying to host you. Hold on a second. Uh, Chase Bianchi. That's good. We'll give we'll give the folks some time to get in chat. Yeah, no, no, for sure, man. So oh, I gotta, uh, usually so I start my uh, Twitch streams in prayer. Would you mind if I start us in prayer? Yeah, yeah, go for right it, on. Man. I figure, fellow lover of Christ, you would find it. Uh, Far out. Lord God, awesome. thank you so much that we get this time that we get to uh, spend with each other. I pray God that you would make it beneficial. The Lord, we'd conduct ourselves in a way, thought, word, and deed to glorify you. Pray God that. Uh, you just make this time beneficial. Thank you for Alex and all that he does for free and for coaching. And uh, God, just be with us today by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, said amen. Amen. Wow, man. That's cool. You do that. That takes yeah, bro. That takes hope. That takes chutzpah in today's world. No, no. It takes a little uh, grit, as I was reading in your book. <laughs> it does take grit, man. It, it takes. You, it, I don't know, man. I, I'm sorry. I'm still on my first cup of coffee, so I'm. Yeah, I'm be, on number two right now. Yeah, I'm still. I'm still waking up, but yeah, I mean, it seems like 
I get hated on for the Christian thing more than like anything. You know, I feel like I get asked yeah. way more about being a Christian and being not. I'm not a Republican, but I'm not. I'm sure sure as hell not Democratic either. But I get asked more about that than I'm pretty sure uh, Tom Cruise gets asked about Scientology. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really feel like it's just so absurd to people that it, they feel like. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm like, man, that's pretty weird with all this stuff going on in this earth. Like, this is what you're focusing on. Like the guy who, you know, just wants to say a little prayer before he eats his food. That's, right. my, <laughs> that's my old pastor used to me. say that, you know, all the rebellious ways are gone. The biggest way to be a rebel is like read your Bible and go to church anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. And hold it down. I mean, uh, right. I, are you a fan of uh, Christian Christian metal? Uh, no, I know some, I like Christian rap, like Andy Mineo. Yeah, I never know how to say his name. And Mineo, I think. Uh, but yeah, you like Lecrae and all that? I do like Lecrae. Yeah, he's a, he's a little more commercial, but yeah, there's this band called Demon Hunter that's a Christian metal band and they had a, they had an album called Extremist and it was just about how ostracized and weird the guy felt about being, you know, going to church and taking care of his kids and just not, you know, be, you know, and being sober all the time, like how weird that felt compared to the mainstream. And then he was asking himself, like, what really is a rebel? You know, when you really think about it, it's like it, all my friends are getting high and screwing off the day and, you know, showing up sure. to work for eight hours and really only putting in four and a half. What it, what's really being rebellious now you know what i mean like it really is about putting in work like your pastor said but yeah i totally took this totally off topic i should let you <laughs> you, you lead my bad my bad standard alex oh we're already on tangent <laughs> yes, sir. so yeah, q a your new book i'm pretty pumped about it dude like you've been kind of one of my poker idols so Thank being you, able sir. to do a little q a and read your book it's been really cool so one of the things that I like that you talk about in your book is not just the strategical, but also like kind of what we're kind of touching on is the lifestyle. Like yes, sir. grit is a word that you, so my question is what are some things that you have overcome? Please chat. Think of more questions. What are some things you've overcome and had to get that grit and determination to make? Oh man, that's a, who that's a long discussion. I mean, if I really wanted to, like there's two different answers. Like if I want to talk about how bad my life was, I could certainly do that for like 20 minutes. But yeah, you know, there's a lot of drug addiction in the family. I left, uh, I left home during high school. Uh, I lived in Casino Road Everett. That comes up in the book. Uh, that Casino Road Everett's pr probably like if you Google it, it'll say like you know Casino Road Everett has. Yeah, a, yeah. shout out to Everett. I used to live in. Uh, oh no area. doubt. Oh no, no kidding, man. Yeah, yeah I, I was in that. Linwood. Everett was just. Oh yeah, Lin, you were in Linhood. Were you, mm -hmm. were you? Were you there before Hood. it got? Were you there before it got real bad, or did you? Uh, uh, I was there like six years ago. It wasn't too bad. Like yeah, it's not, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not bad. It's just I went. I don't know this heroin thing, man. It's really like when I was a kid. I was like the loser in high school because I smoked bud once in a while. Now these kids are shooting up heroin in the schools and stuff. Like, and I'm like, what the hell are you all doing, man? That's like real bad for you. But yeah, uh, no, I mean, like you know, there was all like I had to move out of, of home at one point. Like, I've seen people die. I've seen suicide attempts and stuff like that. And you know, stuff I don't really like talking about a lot. Oh, hey, mom, I'm in an interview. 
<laughs> my meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, mom, yeah, yeah. My mom's watching football with the headphones on, so oh, she, nice. uh, yeah, you know what I mean. She, uh, she's hoping once again the Patriots lose, but I don't think that's going to happen versus the Cleveland versus the Browns. But yeah, no, I mean that that's like the simple answer because that really does kind of give you grit. I mean, like I'm working as a commercial fisherman who did that because. You work like 90, 100 hour shifts for a couple months. You come home, you come home, you realize this is not work. What I do, this is not work. Freezing my ass off in Bristol Bay was work. And uh, 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 freezing my ass off in Bristol Bay was work, you know. And there's guys up there that are like 55 years old. They got no retirement plan. They got nothing going for them. You know what I mean? So it's that's what they got to do. The stuff that's hard was hard for me as an 18 year old guy, you know, like fresh off of football and everything that was still really tough for me they were still doing it when they were like 55 so like that really put a good perspective in me but honestly having like having gone through a huge oh downswing God. i can't like even. i was making oh. money hand over fist the first like three years i played poker and i just had a couple years where you know like the downswing is going to be equally as bad almost always in any kind of form of professional gambling and yeah i mean like i've just had a number of things happen at once like black friday and you know, a couple horses ran off with some money. Not a, not a ton. Uh, one, a couple really good horses just running really bad for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, some of my own personal businesses had some huge problems at that time. And then uh, two just went belly up. And, I mean, that was pretty tough. That was like two years of work, like 80 hours a week. You know what I mean? And then uh, you just, you know, you mismanage a few things. The market wasn't ready and you lose it. And having all that really make me a lot more humble is probably the <laughs> realizing I was probably a pretty, I was, pre, I was probably really overestimating my abilities in business and poker was probably the best thing for me. That downswing was probably the best thing for me because I got real broke and, uh, you know, I just got cleaned out by a few things that happened. I, I said, you know what, man, let's just move it back to, you know, I called it my grind hole. I got, I got this really bad apartment in San Jose and, I probably could have afforded something a little bit better, but I, I just stayed there and I started just studying and teaching and grinding like all day, every day for like six months, uh, nine months, however long I was there. And then I moved up to the mountains uh, when I finally decided to get sober. And that was pretty intense uh, because it was a lot like Rocky Four. I felt like when he's running, <laughs> I mean, except for the snow, but like, I mean, like every day oh, I was man. running, it, it is a battle. It's a, did you deal with addiction? Um, <clears throat> not so much myself. I mean, I had pornography yeah, addictions saw. when I was younger. My wife oh, yeah. is coming up on nine years sober from drugs and alcohol. Good for so, her, man. Yeah, yeah, like huge victories in life. Yeah. And I've known her for most of my life, so I've been through it with her. That's it's rough. Good, it is. It is really rough. And it was, yeah, like. <laughs> That pornography, man, that's so dangerous. Like it's yeah. <laughs> like I remember when I was a kid, like you had to you had to work to get your pornography, right? There was one kid and there was one kid in our neighborhood named Travis and uh he had we would literally like open up this locked drawer with like screwdrivers and a flashlight to flip a few pages of a Playboy his dad had, right? Now it's just like with the porn hub and everything, man, it's just nonstop all the time and it's violent and crap and I'm just you know like you know, people, I, I'm a libertarian. I believe if people want to watch pornography, that is their right. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. Like, I think whatever you want to do with your body is your right. It doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you. You know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. like, and I just find like, you know, it's made by men for men. So you kind of get these 
images of like how sex should be and it's like real bad for you. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Going back to, yeah, essentially like I had a real humbling period where I was up in the mountains and I was like, I was running on the foothills like every day because I was like trying to get sober and like I was just trying to sweat it out and it was real tough. But at the same time, it was one of the best times of my life, even though I was super broke and, you know, I was like five years into the game uh, just because like I realized if you come at poker with like a real humbling look at it, you, you know, if you just go like, look, I don't know anything. I'm just trying to get better. I'm just trying to have fun. This is a fun game. You know what I mean? You know, praise be to God, I'm even in this. You know, then you start learning a lot. And that was kind of the whole idea behind the myth of poker talent. It's like, look, I don't even profess to be that good at poker. I think I'm solid, but I still think I have a lot to learn. But these are my ideas. And this is how you study. And if you want to disprove some of my ideas, that'd be awesome because that makes me a better poker player and that makes you a better poker player. And that's that's really more about what I'm all about. For sure. Let, let me hit on one one more light topic that we got from. Yes, your, sir. Here for the questions as ask you about your rap battles. <laughs> he's not very specific. So how, how did that come about and how does that relate to what you're doing now? No, I mean, the rap. Somebody asked me, I, I don't know if any of y'all know who the source is, but he, he's, he's a legend in battle rap, right? He's been doing it for like 10, 15 years. Back when they were still doing the freestyle competitions, the way they did it. Like if you ever saw the movie Eight Mile, like, you know, they play the beat and you have to freestyle. And, you know, you would have some like things in the back of your mind, like, oh, I'll say this to this guy, that. But you were really expected to come up with stuff on the spot and you were called out if you didn't do it. And like he crushed those competitions. And then battle rap over the last like 10 years is, has shifted to a written format, which a lot of people don't like. But I, I think it's really interesting because it, it essentially, you know, it gives these incredible writers like two months to come up with something that I don't it, when some of these guys are rapping. If you're there live, you feel like you've crossed into the fourth dimension. It's just so crazy to listen to what they do with language. And yeah, anyway, the source did really well in that format, too. He was looking to battle a poker player, and I think Lance Bradley was the guy who brought it up to me uh, when he was running bluff. He was like, would you battle the source? And of course, my first response was, hell no, uh, I'm not doing that, <laughs> right? And then, uh, and then I kind of thought, like, you know, I think people pay like $2,000 to battle the source, you know what I mean? Like, and I was thinking, if it really scares you, you need to do it, right? Like, it kind of, if it's something you're really interested in, and like, you know, back in the day, like, you'd be waiting at a bus stop and you'd just be bored and you'd start dissing your friend and he'd diss you. And then eventually it got boring for the spectators. So you start rhyming it. And then, you know, just every day it got fun to like, just come and see if you could get a reaction out of people while you're making fun of your buddy. Right. And I was like, okay, I did that. You know, I can try to do that versus source. And my first battle with the source, I think was really bad, but I wanted to keep doing it. Right. So, uh, DFW battle league, it's a Southern battle league. They, they had me on. They made me – it was like my first mainstream battle, and they made me versus Plan 9, the main event, because, like, I'm not sure if they ever had, like, an out-of-town MC before that, and that was real I, – I really like them as far as life experiences because people go, like, why would you practice for, like, three weeks uh, to do something that's over in, like, literally 20, 30 minutes, right? And, like, when, when you're rhyming, it's only, like, nine minutes, right? And – the, the thing is, you can just always have that in your back pocket. You know what I mean? You can always think about, oh, I had that experience and I got out of it. I did it. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, yeah I, feel, the yeah, hour I, week. I started doing yeah. a podcast and we don't really know if it's going to go anywhere, but just the, the opportunity to do something and create something is pretty cool. Right. 
Yeah, man. And your podcast will do. I mean, I mean, it's one of those things. If you do it just for the love of it, it can take off. You know what I mean? It sounds like. Yeah, it's I mean, like it's, poker. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like if you're praying when you start these things that I mean, that to me shows me you're actually doing it for the reasons you want to do it. Right. You're not trying to please other people. You're doing it to be true to yourself. And I think people really respect that. So I think you've got a good shot, you know, and I don't say that to everybody. Some people are like, we're hoping this podcast is going to take off. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm going to hear from everyone when you're a content creator. It's just like put good stuff out there and then let it happen. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you got to, uh, and you got to remember, I, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, you just got to, I've always just had this attitude where if you try to help people, eventually they will try to help you back. And that's really weird for me, just coming from a Christian background. I don't believe people are good, like necessarily. I don't believe like people have like a good nature about them, but I do believe the majority of people that'll get really into good content, they do want to pay it back at some point. So if you've been making a podcast for like a year or two, which was essentially what I did, and then I said, hey guys, I got this idea for like a webinar. Apparently we'll all sit around a screen and I'll talk and I'll go through a PowerPoint and people are like, I'm on board. Let's do this. And that's really when it gets fun, you know what I mean? And they're they're helping you, you're helping them. That's really the ultimate. Yeah. So while we're on the topic of content creation, shout out to cat pubes he's he says alex do you remember me and he wants to know when you're gonna get back on twitch because you're one of his favorite streams uh my bad man uh yeah no i'm a i i'll be honest with you guys there's been some life stuff i I have a private life i like to keep private so i mean just out of respect for everybody involved there was some stuff going on in the family that was pretty bad and i had to take care of that for a while and uh, not bad, like, you know, anybody like wronged anyone. It was just tough to deal with. You know what I mean? And then uh, I feel it, yeah, and so for a while, I was just like, you know, what I mean, I don't want to be doing Twitch because I'm going to be yelling at people and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I, I and then I realized, you know, uh, eventually I do want to get back on Twitch because I like doing this stuff. It's I think what we're going to try to do is I'm going to get a really small laptop and I'm going to put all my video files from when I record my 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 dogs are really into this idea. Maybe you can hear them barking, but yeah, they're uh, yeah they're into it. They're into it. But like, what I think I'm gonna do is I'm gonna record all the times I play once I come back, and when I do that, I'm gonna like just when I'm traveling, I'm gonna bring this kind of like dinky laptop. You know what I mean? Go to a fries and buy like a three hundred dollar laptop. I'm just gonna stream from Twitch like everywhere as much as I possibly can, you know, and I'll do it live. I'll do reruns, but yeah, I want to do it big. It's just been, you know, one of those things. This is one of these things. Can you hear this guy, bar- uh, not barking. Can you hear this guy honking? Can you yeah. hear this? Nah, this is good. something they do in Costa Rica. Hold on. If you're going to interview me, you're going to get complaints about Costa Rica. So when they show up in a neighborhood and they're like trying to find somebody, they honk the horn like 20, 30 times. It doesn't matter if they're picking you up for a flight, uh, for the airport at like four in the morning they'll like just start honking the horn at like 20, 30 times, wake up all your neighbors. By the way, nicest people in the world when they're not in their cars, but when they're in their cars, they like, it's just like Jekyll and Hyde. They're just like, it comes out. It, every Costa Rican will agree with you on that. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even joking with that. Okay. So anyway, next yeah, yeah. I live on the East coast. So I got a little feel uh, for you know the, what it is? the rude horn honking. It's like they I, drive with their hand, you know, they got one hand at 12 o'clock and one hand on the horn ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, well, are you allowed to keep, 
remember in New York, my boy was honking and the police came by and they were like, hey, that's a ticket now if you're doing that for no damn reason. And I was like, really? Like, it, uh, maybe it was just messing with us. But can you, what part of the East Coast are you on? So I'm in Maryland right now between D.C. Nice. and Baltimore. Nice, nice. So you're right next to all them casinos, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I moved nice. out here. Do the, do the live poker grind Twitch a couple days a week. Oh, that's cool, man. That's a good. That's a good time. Live poker is good right now. Live poker hasn't gotten tougher in five years, in my opinion. Yeah, it's surprising it hasn't gotten tougher, and it's kind of booming in some regards. Like yeah, numbers are kind of picking up a little bit. So and that's I all mean, it's about I, to be. I like the live poker too because you get to you know you get to meet the mailman, you get to meet the you know the guy who runs like insurance companies. I met a guy who has like the biggest pot dispensary in this uh, one country, and then I, I'm not one country, but this one state. I don't want to blow his cover or whatever, but yeah, like getting to talk to all those people and learn about their industries. I was like, man, this is different. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this is, this is cool, you know, getting to learn about all this, but yeah, you don't get that online, unfortunately. Yeah. So I got re re hard for a in chat, Leotics, giving you a shout out. Yeah, says, he's good. Your, says that you're his favorite coach. Oh. Thanks man. I appreciate that man. Lock my heart. Lock what up? Anyway, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So one thing that I noticed in your book is that maybe, I mean, we don't want to put any books on blast, but kind of unlike some books, you're more (laughs) trying to get at how do you think about poker? Not necessarily a handbook of how do you play ace-king early position. Right. So was that a conscious decision that you made that you want to really get to the nitty-gritty, like how can I make them better Right. that they can learn lifetime yeah that was a very conscious decision when i was 17 years old i read the theory of poker uh i thought it was the most boring book i'd ever read in my life and then i promptly read it three times uh just because it was uh it was there's a second edition if you guys are ever going to look for this book there's a second edition that was rewritten by a writer i'd really recommend you get that edition because i had i had a very comprehensive edition from the library But I mean, this was one of those things that uh, this was a life changing moment for me. And it didn't really seem like anything. I got every poker book from the library when I was 16, 17, because one of the great things about Seattle is they have just an incredible library system. Right. So I ordered them all. I picked them all up and I just devoured them. And ninety nine percent of them were just garbage. Right. You know, just garbage, especially back in 2006. Right. I mean, they were just, you know, they'd have like a couple ideas that were pretty interesting uh, and, you know, and to be fair, a lot of these guys were making good money at poker. It's just if it's so natural to you, it's really hard to articulate why you do certain things. So I've fallen into this trap before where I say, you know, I feel like all the thought process behind this is a little complex. I'm going to take a shortcut and just explain the play. And if they do the play, they're really likely to make a profit. In some cases, it'll work for years. But at some point, it will stop working. And if they don't know how you came to that realization – they're not going to be able to change with the times. And now you might have sunk them in t- it, it entirely. And even when I was 17, when I was reading the theory of poker, I realized this is uh, th- this is insane. Like, this is what I need right now. Right. Like this is yeah. uh, it, it taught me how to think like a poker player. And that actually helped me a lot in life as far as like you can uh, you can gamble on a lot of things when it comes to life. And I, I don't mean like putting money on it, but like you know, you're doing like risk reward analysis and you think about it like a poker player, you'll start, uh, you'll start seeing things in a lot clearer light. Like I remember in 2006, I didn't go to college and I was, a I was in a really good high school. 
uh, Inglemore High School, like a, uh, it's, it, I think Time Magazine put it as like one of the hundred best high schools in the country. And like kids would like come in from wherever, right? Like, and uh, to go there. And, you know, I was just screwing around. I, I just got there on accident. I was in the area, right? But like everybody was going to college and my guidance counselors were like, if you don't go to college, like you will die, right? They were like, everything is going to go wrong for you if you don't go to college. And I was really terrified about that. And I was really ready to get all the student loans and everything. But like reading the theory of poker got me thinking more like tactically. And I was thinking, well, what's the worst thing that happens if this degree thing doesn't work out? I was like, well, I'm 100, 150K in debt and it's four years, six years later, right? Well, what's the worst thing if this poker thing doesn't work out? And I realized, well, I'll be right back to where I am, which is, you know, just broke living on people's couches and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, so there's no risk when it comes to poker. OK, I'm going to try poker. And that was one of the best choices I ever made in my life. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people in 2006 didn't make that decision because the economy was booming, you know, so it seemed like the right idea to get that degree. And, you know, unfortunately, there are 100, you know, 40K in debt, 80K in debt, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And it's tough, you know, and I, with the myth of poker talent, I was like, I want to write the book. Like I, I want some 17 year old kid to get, the, hopefully you start playing when you're 18, play home games and tell that. All right, kids. But like, uh, I want some kid like I was to get that book and be like, it is possible. You know what I mean? I can do these things. I can teach myself. And it's not just about poker. It's about teaching yourself how to work for yourself. You know what I mean? That can be from poker. Uh, the only way I know how to teach you is from poker, but I also want to try to give you the mentality that gets you out of it. Because like my worst days broke on my own were not near, like I used to have a job, like I used to work security. It was the easiest job in the world. I literally like went to work and I would, I would just sit there, you know, for like eight hours. Sometimes I was allowed to read. Other times I wasn't. Uh, <clears throat> I just had coffee and I could walk around with my coffee and nobody cared. And I, I would talk with people and I got to, you know, and essentially it's essentially you get paid all day to like flirt with the girls that uh, are, are working at the uh, at the company you're doing security for. And I just wanted to kill myself. I was so bored. You know what I mean? It was just it, it was fine. But at the same time, you're like, this is what dead end looks like. And you start seeing like everybody starts putting on weight because they're really intellectually not stimulated by anything. So they just kind of eat and you know, they go out to dinner all the time and they gossip a lot. And I realized like, man, this is what, this is what life's like when you're not working for yourself. Right. And yeah, there were some people that took care of themselves, but you know, it was, and yeah, the theory of poker got me out of that. So I was trying to, uh, I was just trying to make something similar like that. Nice. So I got a good story from one of my regulars, alpha, alpha VA. Right. shout out to alpha. He's a local guy around here, hangs around Twitch streets. So he's got a story about your book. Nice. He says, a dude I know was at Barnes & Noble, pulled Alex's book, and took pictures of every page of his new book, got <laughs> caught, and was kicked out of the store. <laughs> There's no question there, but like, how can you be mad at the guy with that much determination to get that's better That's quite, quite a bit, man. Uh, I, uh, wow, man. Well, that's something I would have done when I was younger, so I can't really totally. hate on you. You know what I mean? But it is just the price of... I got... I got two pizzas from Papa John's the other night and a few drinks and it was 40 bucks. And I was like, Hey, my book's 25. Like why, why would man, you know what I like? And people just pick up pizza like nothing, you know what yeah. I mean? But, uh, but yeah, man, uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Getting, 
<laughs> if anybody knows that dude, tell him to get in contact <laughs> with me. I want to shout him out for his world-class cheapness. But how do you take a picture of every page? I know, that's some termination right there. That is termination right there. But yeah, sorry. Go go ahead. I bet you got another question. Uh, yeah. Well, guys, keep them keep them rolling in. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up my notes on your book. Taking notes, crazy. Oh, thanks, man. That means a lot. That's cool. Yeah. One thing that I thought was cool was that in your book. So your book is the first one that I've seen that actually speaks to and really utilizes poker software oh sweet i didn't know that that's cool <laughs> well yeah you're like going in depth into like uh cardrunner zv was one especially used a lot yeah. and i don't i mean i don't read many poker books obviously but i don't many. recall ever seeing a poker book actually go into like this is how you use the software and this is how you use the software to get better yeah, it was like it was like writing Windows for dummies at some point. But yeah. like, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, it, I, I put that in there because I'm not. I'm not even claiming to be great with the software. Like half the time, I know the guy who created Cardrunner ZV, but like I sent him a lot of things, and he'd be like, "This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong." And I was sitting there like, "Damn it!" Right? And then when I when I realized, oh, like this is what I'm doing wrong. I was like, I really just wanted to write a guide for my students. Right. Just to be like, don't do this, because if you do this, this is going to happen. Right. It's actually it's user error every single time with me. But I think you guys can get through it. Right. And then it's so cool to be able to put that in a book and have it help people. And some of those like Cardinal ZV analyses are really wild. Like the the one in the book, I don't know if you got to this, but I always I was referencing there's like there's three or four times I put like 10 pages in this book. And I say like, if I sold you these 10 pages for $50, I would sleep just fine tonight. I would not feel guilty at all, right? It, it would yeah. be a good deal for you. One of those 10 pages is about cap boards. Essentially, I found this heads up situation where if we can rule out over pairs in two pairs, and I, you, we liter I literally created a simulation where the guy just closes his eyes and bets half pot, half pot jams the river. And the other guy on the other side calls with not third pair, but like a pocket pair above third pair. So that's, that's pretty wide. That's like a really good call, right? If the guy is just closing his eyes and uh, jamming on any river and that dude is not turning a profit. The guy who's closing his eyes and gambling on that cat board is turning a profit. Now, obviously you want to approach this with far more finesse than my simulator can do right but that is a wild wild thing to realize you know what i mean and th that kind of stuff with card runners ev like it took me hours and hours and hours to figure out how to use that software and then try to figure out what problems i wanted to solve and it's really cool just to like give it to like rehards is one guy and there's a few other guys that write me and they're like oh after i got the guide you know it was like i, I don't think riard said this but there, there was this other guy I, I think his name's josh but he was like yeah, it took me like 10, 15 minutes to do this. And then he sends me another analysis like that, in it, which I couldn't talk about because it's his, but unless he gives me permission. And then, you know, it's a similar realization. And that's when poker becomes intoxicating at that point, because it's like, oh, my God, I see into the matrix. You know what I mean? All these guys with their beat headphones and their designer hoodies. They don't know. They don't know. <laughs> like, But yeah, it's a, it's a good time. It's a good time. Nice. So I got a question from Brett here. What's good, What's, Brett? Yeah, Brett's the faithful man. That guy works so hard for Twitch. 
Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, Brett. What's good, man? Hey. <laughs> what is the first most important change or direction to take to become a pro- poker pro oh, for those that might question. be pursuing it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, this is something I've been thinking about lately, which it's really come like I, I remember when they were calling uh, Phil Ivey the Tiger Woods of poker, right? And uh, it, he he heard that and he was like, yo, I want, you know, like, I, I, get rid of that, right? Like, I, I don't like that. And they were like, why? And he's like, you can't call anybody the Tiger Woods of this game because, it, I mean, sometimes the luck's with you, but sometimes it's not. This is a guy who has done things that make it look like he has, like, Jedi blood running through his veins, right? And, and even he realizes this is gambling at the end of the day, okay? You can dress it up however you want. It is – you can become a professional gambler. I've been doing this for 10 years, Right. But at the end of the day, you got to remember, this is not a sport. This is gambling. All right. So goofy crap happens all the time. I've been one outed for over $100,000. Uh, I've had fun seized. I've had a lot of crap happen to me. And you know what? I think one of the only reasons I'm still in this game, whereas there's a lot of guys that got, you know, had the exact same things happen to them on Black, Black Friday for a lot less money. And they're still not around. They're still not improving. It's just because at the end of the day, I said, this is gambling. This isn't that hard of a job. I I just enjoy it for the reason I do it. And if you won't do it for free, that's another thing. I wrote hundreds of articles before people started paying me to coach them, right? And I did it for free because I enjoyed it. I liked getting my thoughts together. I liked writing. I liked, you know, having the coffee and like getting my thoughts together and going through my notes and all that stuff. And because I did that for free, a lot of investors at you know, different points wanted to put money down on me. Now, sometimes, you know, it's, uh, it, it's still professional gambling though. When you're working with other people, you got to explain like, this is still gambling just because I can write well, doesn't mean, you know, everything's going to be ship shape, but you got to always remember it's gambling. And if you're not going to do it for free, you're not going to do it when anyone pays you. All right. That's just how it is. If you won't do it for yourself, you're not going to do it for another person. That's just how it is. Okay. So just if you look at this as like a fun game, if like if you were playing chess down at the park, you would not expect to make a profit from it, right? If you were playing, this is the crazy thing to me. Like these guys, like the people will like play golf like four times a week, right? And if they go out to the U.S. Open, they don't expect to be playing with Tiger Woods. I mean, back when Tiger Woods was in it, but yeah. Anyway, they don't expect to be like crushing it. People will walk into their first poker tournament having played eight home games and expect to win it. That is truth. Everybody will do that. Definitely true. Everybody, yeah, it's, and it's really funny because like with golf, I hate golf. I, I couldn't. I think I made a joke about golf in uh, the game in the in the book. I was like, I was trying to just study mental toughness, and I couldn't find anything more mentally grating than the game of golf. So I looked into it, and really. Golf is one of the greatest examples of what you should be doing in poker. There's a lot of doctors who are scratch golfers. Now, how is that when they work such crazy hours? Well, they do deliberate practice. When they go when they go out to the driving range, they work on their drive. Then they go out to the putting green and they work on their chip shot. They have one specific thing they're trying to work on. Then maybe their chip shot's not that good. Maybe their long putting's not that good. Maybe their drive isn't that good. They might get in like 18 holes like once a week or four times a week if you're Obama. But no, sorry, I had to, <laughs> <laughs> I had to rip on. I just can't believe that. I'm like, man, this dude's got some. But I mean, I don't know. I, at the same time, it, it, 
people give Obama, I, I am totally against Obama's politics and everything, but like if the dude's golfing as opposed to like drinking himself silly, I'm, I'm totally fine with that to get over his stress. But yeah, anyway, but you get like one time a week, you know what I mean? And you, you just try to focus on the things that are beating you. And maybe it takes like five years, maybe it takes 10 years, but at some point, a lot of these guys can become scratch golfers. It's the same thing in poker. There's a reason why at most, a lot of WPT final tables, they're like, and this guy's a businessman and you know, he's 55 and everybody kind of, you know, the younger guys, the 28 year old guys think like, oh, I'm going to smash this guy. And then, you know, the business guy just stomps their ass because he, he's been working all these years. He's been thinking about something when he, he might only get to play cards a couple times a week, but at the end of the day, he's really thinking about it because he's enjoying it. And he was like, I didn't play that that well. Maybe I should try to work on that next time. And that's deliberate practice. If you can get into this idea of I'm doing this for fun, I'm trying to see how far I can go. It's about the pursuit. Studies show if you're pursuing something, you are a happier person. It doesn't mean you have to achieve it. You have to be pursuing something, right? That's why people in Italy live till they're 200 years old because they're so into their gardens and stuff. You know what I mean? And I mean, and honest to God, you know, that's, uh, there's a part of Costa Rica called Nicoya and like everybody lives to 115. And when I went out there, I, I, I saw why. And it's because the 95 year old guy is still working on his house, trying to make it presentable. And he's still dating. You know what I mean? He's, he's still working on a couple projects. Right. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, I guess that's what keeps you in it. And just kind of expecting rewards without the work is the absolute fastest way to make sure it doesn't work out. Right on. I, I think that totally gets to what we were talking about earlier, that you got a passion for it. So yes, uh, I'm with you there. I got an email from a friend of mine, Zach. He wants to know how beneficial is it to study the regulars in your game versus studying your own play? Like how much should you be doing of each of those? I'm glad you even think about that, Zach. And shout out, thank you for the question. Uh, because when you're playing like cash, like I was never, ever, like I played, I used to do the douchebag thing when I was 21. Like, oh, you play cash? Yeah, 10, 20. And like what, what they mean, Timex totally called it one time. He was like, when people say they play 1020, that means they play 1020 once. And I was like, well, I did play 2550 once and I played 1020 like four times, but okay, yeah, you're right. So the truth is I used to bum hunt at one, two and two, four. And that what that paid all my bills when I was on the EPT, right? When I was on the tour, right? And it wasn't fun waking up at six in the morning and hungry in some uh, apartment I rented for peanuts but to work right but at the same time it was really rewarding when you were studying the regulars because uh some of these networks i played on i was i was just bum hunting but there was like 20 regulars that weren't that good and i always had to deal with them and then one day i just opened all my databases and looked and i just made a scouting report right like i felt i felt like it was bill belichick you know what i mean it was like you got to do this you got to do that and like it was intoxicating the next couple of sessions, just hammering these people, knowing exactly what their weaknesses were and noticing for weeks they didn't change it. Poker players are really stubborn. And then you can't really do that as much today uh, just because, well, it, you can't do it as much today because poker players adjust a lot faster. So you can break some of these ATMs if you figure it out. But it's always amazing. Like there was a poker player who handed my ass to me in like 2006, 2007, I got to play with him three years later and he was just so blindingly bad. 
uh, it, it, it was it, like I, I couldn't believe how unbalanced he was and how because I'd studied, I knew exactly what to do. And I just took his chips. Right. And that that was an incredible feeling because I worked for that. That was bred from my work. That was not anybody giving it to me. That was not any you know what I mean? That wasn't any government body saying, like, you get this. Uh, loan. That wasn't anything like that. That was something I gave to myself. Now, studying your own game, I feel is really beneficial because you can see, uh, I mean, that's all we work on when we do personal lessons. I look at, I try to find your specific leaks. And uh, we, we do talk about that a bit in the book, uh, The Myth of Poker Talent, how to identify your specific leaks. And with Master Poker with One Hour a Day, uh, the webinar I did. But at the same time, uh, I find a lot of people get really into this like game theory stuff, right? Which is, I've read books about game theory. It's pretty fascinating to me. Uh, I don't really feel like you need to be playing game theory optimal ranges when uh, a lot of times you play in tournament poker too. That's a really bad time to study the regulars because you're not going to see them that often. But also if you're not seeing regulars that often, you're playing 50, 60 hands with somebody and then they, you know, they go off to another table. I, I think... A lot of times you should just be cashing out your equity on a lot of these hands where perhaps it would be a little bit better to check with the backdoor flush draw on the third pair to balance out your check range, checking range like over the next couple of years uh, versus that one person. But if you're not going to play three years with the guy, just go ahead and bet and cash out your equity. And uh, yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I spend probably 80 when you're playing tournaments, I spend 80, 90 percent of my time studying myself, studying the big blind per hundred numbers from each position with each condition seeing that that that's amazing because you just keep applying like every quick filter and then you'll just come to one where it's like whoa this is a train wreck <laughs> oh like, man those I are suck. those are some humbling moments are they <laughs> they're really humbling well and a lot of people don't want to do it because they go my entire life is a lie but like you are like i never deserve to win i suck right all, all my downswings were actually my own fault but that should be a really hopeful thought. Like, oh, you can turn it around. You know what I mean? Like that, that's entity-based thinking versus incremental. You know, like a lot of people believe like poker is like sex or driving or something along those lines. It, you're either born with it or you're not. That's completely not true. And if you go in with like, look, I suck at this one thing. I'm never going to develop. Uh, instead of being humbled, like it sounds like you want to be, and then just moving on, uh, people just go, well, this sucks. This is stupid. I've been playing for seven years. I know exactly what I'm doing. I, I love that one, too. It's like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of guys, you know, they played in the MLB for 20 years before they kicked their asses out of the league. You know, just longevity uh, doesn't mean anything if eventually you're going to get kicked out by your makeup total or by your behavior. But yeah, anyway, I'm babbling as per usual. <laughs> but yeah, we, we just, actually got a couple uh, questions piling up. So it's a good thing. Sweet, sweet. Uh, Shout out, a couple shout outs. Mega, WF. Uh, we got a couple hey, people on Twitter going on, folks. Crisco, fellow streamer. Uh, we got one from Mega. Do you speak any other languages or play a musical instrument? Poker seems like a language to me. Any recommendations for fun hobbies to study that reinforce poker besides rap? Yo hablo un poquito español, pero yo tengo que practicar más porque yo hablo como un gringo totalmente cuando yo hablo en este idioma, lo siento. But like I just sí. said, I <laughs> no, all I said was like I speak some Spanish. I need to practice more, but I still talk like a total gringo. And actually, uh, my, my Spanish is actually pretty bad because I never took a formal class. I just listen. So I can't conjugate anything. 
So I have to use the infinitive term for everything. Conjugating like, verbs, that's the worst. There are 20. Well, this is an interesting thing. You want to talk about deliberate practice. Are you a fan of Tim Ferriss, Chase? Uh, you know, I've listened to like a couple of his podcasts, but I haven't really gotten into Ferriss. You know, he's uh, he, he, he's he's an acquired taste. He, he's a let, let's be honest. He's a bit of a weirdo, but like he's he's an odd duck. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of these things like I work with poker players that are like a galaxy away from where I'll ever be. And every time before I go to do that lesson, I remind myself this guy's going to be a little eccentric. This guy's going to be a little off. And every single time that's right. And, you know, not always, actually, but uh, there's a few guys that are just like the Chip Reese, like consummate professional. But, yeah, if you're that, I think he's a really brilliant guy. So, of course, he's kind of off-putting with some of the things he says. But, yeah, he had a thing where he was talking about Spanish. This is why this guy's a genius. He was like, he tried to learn a language for like three, four years in school, and he couldn't do it, right? And then he started looking into it and he realized all they were doing was conjugating verbs in his high school Spanish class. Let's let's apply that to English. According to the Oxford Dictionary, there are 20,000 verbs in the English language. If you're going to be studying verb conjugation, uh, solamente, <laughs> only that in uh, only that in English, it is going to be a very long time before you're speaking any English. What he said was. Now, in English, 65% of everyday conversations are composed by the same 200 words, right? If you can learn that, you will start seeing the context of a lot of uh, sentences and you will start being able to fill in the blanks. And that's essentially what I did was I started memorizing the key words that I kept hearing every day. And then that helped me. Well, the only word I don't identify in this sentence is uh, you know, is this one and they're pointing at a ball. So I assume that means ball. But at the same time, if I didn't know any of those words, I'd be like one of those, uh, I'd be like one of those, uh, expats that, you know, they live in Thailand for 17 years. They don't know how to ask for a beer. And there's a lot, there's a lot of guys like that in, uh, Costa Rica too. And I, I don't know, to me, that's just embarrassing, but yeah, pretty much any hobby I think is, that really requires deliberate practice, I think is really good. Uh, if you can just find a way to enjoy getting better at something without putting pressure on you, you'll probably translate that to poker. Uh, languages are good. I, I would really recommend trying to make it as fun as possible. So, you know what I mean? I'd actually put yourself like, I, I would actually like plan for a vacation to Mexico or something and then put yourself in some situations where you'd have to use it or something like that. Make a, make a bet with your buddy. It's like you, you guys can play chicken. Whoever chickens out has to pay $500 to the other guy, but you have to like go up to a girl and speak in Spanish. Like if you have a, the stakes are that high, you will be studying Spanish before you get there. Right. You will be enjoying it. But it, anyhow, uh, I think physical things are also really good. So if there's like a sport you really enjoy, I think that's really good because you can get uh, better at that as you're doing it. It's also good because it's active. It's not in front of the computer screen and stuff like that. I spend 12 hours a day on the computer to the point I absolutely hate my computer at the end of the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just can't stand it. Like, I just people do that. I sent you an email like 44 minutes ago. Why didn't you respond to me? And it's like, well, dude, like it's 9 p.m. I, I'm, I don't. You know, I don't I don't know. I didn't have a smartphone until two years ago because my wife bought me one and said, use this. You know what I mean? And then, uh, yeah. A anyway, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Just try yeah, to get so out there. Try to get meetup.com. Meetup.com also is good. People meet up for 
like just pick up sports on that. I think that's good as well. So I go ahead. Yeah, I think Meg summed it up too. She pulled out a gem that you said, deliberate practice while enjoying it. Yeah, there you go. That sounds way more intelligent than what I said. (laughs) You you. said it, man. She (laughs) She took your words and molded it into a little package of perfect. Yeah, that's that, that's that's the real intelligent people, the people who can take like the real lesson out of like the psychobabble for two twenty minutes. <laughs> My that's wife was she she cracks me up. She can like just babble on and on and on about trying to explain something or telling me a story, and I just like listen to everything she says, and I say like four words and sum up her entire thought, and she's like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's what I meant." Yeah, no, that's that's how it, women have that. Uh, they're really interested in the emotion around something or like the buildup or, and I think that makes them much better like caretakers, but it's, it's really weird when you're a nuts and bolts guy and you're like, okay. <laughs> Where yeah. are we? So stop, Becky said Stop talking this. about feelings. I just want to fix things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, I read, I read women are from Mars too and all that stuff. Right. Uh, but yeah, anyway, anyhow, anyhow, right. anyhow. I, I got one of my faithful followers, one of my mods, WFKS. He's got a question. Alex, of all your webinars, which one do you think must have? Great question. Uh, the the best one, I think, probably Master Poker with one hour a day was uh, that was kind of the turning point when I realized we can really make webinars like its own business model, uh, just because it was so professionally done by the guy I worked with, and uh, yeah, we're actually gearing up to like do a whole new site. And everything like my old site poker head rush i i literally spent like a hundred bucks on and it did a lot of things that i liked like ooh, it's got clicking buttons and flashing buttons sweet right and it's got the youtube links but i look at that site now and i'm like this is a piece of crap this is a terrible site like this is a good site for like a blog and if you guys want to sign up for my newsletter and get like free strategy articles every week be sure to do that at pokerheadrush.com it's right to the right and uh but yeah like uh I, I realized I needed a new site because when we were doing this webinar, I was like, uh, it was like uh, Paul Allen when he got like Jimi Hendrix's guitar. It was like, this is too nice of a thing for my house. I need a, you know, like a place where people can view this. So he made the experience music project. When I made Master Poker with one hour a day, I was so happy with it. So satisfied with it. So I really felt like I made a product that was like super helpful to people. You know what I mean? And then I decided I needed a website for this. And Master Poker with one hour a day is about how you can study your own game. Uh, we don't get too much into like the reg bum hunting because I, I haven't played cash in years. So I don't feel like I'd be a really formal authority on that. But I've never gotten a negative review on that. Everybody who's bought that has written, not everybody, but a lot of people write me back saying like, I improved my win rate by this much. I, I improved my win rate by that much. And it's all about how you can up your win rates, how you can study on your own. And it really gives you a game plan so that you don't have to keep buying books. You don't have to uh, keep buying a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people who make poker stuff. I mean, let's just be frank. They're cashing in. You know what I mean? They get real hot. They make a ton of money. You know, they do the typical poker player thing, which is, you know, I'm going to rent a ball and mansion for a year. You know what I mean? 4K a month. Money's gone a year later. They're back at their parents' house. They're not telling people that. I'm back home, man. You know, I wanted to see my friends and tailgate a bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm at my parents' house, but, you know, I'll, I'll be out of here in a week. And, uh, you know, a week turns into four months. You know what I mean? And they start smoking a little pot. And they're getting slow. 
And then they decide, I, I need a couple of bucks here because uh, I'm running out of money and I got to I got to pay, you know, whatever my car payment or whatever it is. Right. Uh, with some of them, it's child support, you know. But yeah, anyway. And then they, they do they do a poker video and they're not really that into it, you know, and they when they do that poker video, they're giving you strategies that worked for them a couple of years ago and do not work for them anymore. There's a reason a lot of them want to do poker videos. And my my whole thing has always been trying to avoid that. Like you can watch this. You will have a game plan for a very long time. You're not going to you know, I, I also hate the spoon feeding coaches that that also drives me. Like I've heard guys say like, oh, yeah, I don't let go of everything. And I don't tell everything in a lesson. Right. And I'm like, why? I mean, it's like if you're teaching advanced calculus, you could say everything. And it's not like everybody's going to grasp all of it. You know what I mean? Like if you're teaching, it's you will always as the master, you will always be better than them until it until some, you know, two or three of them are going to work their ass off and kick your ass one day. But that's just inevitable. If they're not going to learn from you, they're going to learn from somebody else. Right. But the vast majority of people, if you're the teacher, you're going to know the material better and you're going to know it even better once you become a better teacher. So you're really just cheating yourself when you do that. But yeah, anyway, very long winded answer once again. Oh, I like it. You hit that reminds me you hit it on, on book of not just taking it, everything that good players say at face value. No, yeah, exactly. Even me, uh, study everything I say. I might be, I might be wrong. It's happened to me before. I've had strategies that worked really well. Uh, I had a strategy that worked really well in 2010, 2011. I checked out my filters on 2012, 2013. I was hemorrhaging money, and it took me a year to figure out. Yeah. You know, and if you had followed my advice on that strategy, uh, with that, now fortunately this doesn't happen anymore because everything i tell you i've researched three ways to sunday sure when you're gonna publish you do your yeah exactly well exactly when you're publishing you just assume uh you know somebody at two plus two is gonna have something to say if you screw it up right and i mean i'll I'll be honest with you guys i make mistakes all the time uh it it it, the only difference is i come back to the problems that's that's a lot of people never even show up Half of Woody Allen's, uh, I mean, not really a great guy to call an idol or anything, but like he's a, uh, Woody Allen said something like half of life is showing up. His first movie he directed, he was literally reading, directing for dummies before he showed up on the set, right? And it's, and people go like, how do these people make it? I'm like, I'm always telling people they're the only ones who showed up. They're like, oh, you did really well at poker. I'm the only one who showed up. A lot of people, do, do you know how many guys I know from back in the day who I say like, oh man, you just got to look into this, this, and this, and then this play will make much more sense to you. And it's like, it's an affront to them that you said they needed to study, right? It's like, are you saying I'm a bad player? It's like, no, man. Like, do you think Muhammad Ali never trained for a fight? Like, what what are you talking about? You know? And then you put in those terms and they get it. But a, a lot of times people don't, you know what I mean? Or they go, oh yeah, 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 I'll do this. It's like, I don't need this crap. You know, but yeah, anyway, anyway, more questions. Let's do yes, it. Yes, sir. We got a couple coming in from Twitter. First is, Alex, you say anyone can be great at poker, but do you yes. really believe that? Or should I have a dollar amount stop loss point and just stop? Uh, <laughs> kind of a well, personal uh, question. Yeah, that, that changed a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to, there's a real power 
to being bust. You know what I mean? So, and uh, hold on, let me. This is a long one. This is a this is a tough answer. All right. It's kind of yes. what is life? Yeah, what is life, man? What is poker, yo? But no, I mean, I do believe anybody can make a a, a good living from poker, assuming you you know you can do some remedial math right which i I think for most people that i I haven't met somebody you couldn't teach this math to after a while right you sometimes some people take longer than others that would be me uh that's what that's one real reason i believe anybody can do it is everybody can always tell you like i was known as a nut peddler uh i i was i was the guy i I was the guy who just showed up and no i i couldn't talk and hand history conversations when I go to these live events. I had just found a way to win ugly for so long and win in ways that other people were afraid to win. And I didn't really know any of the basics or anything. And everybody could tell you like when I was doing the home games, like when I was like 15 to 18, there was like this little place called the poker hut in Bothell, Washington. And they had tournaments sometimes two times a week, at least once a week, sometimes very rarely three times a week. Right. And I played those tournaments, every single one of them, for like two years. I didn't win one, you know what I mean? So, like, there was like 18 people. I didn't win one, right? And I, eventually, I think I did win a couple, right? It was it was really funny. When I came back there, I was like 19, and I was a professional poker player. It was like the most important thing I ever did in my life was to win that tournament because <laughs> I was so <laughs> pissed I'd never won one, right? And then I did, I did end up winning one. But, yeah, anyway, uh, it like and when i first got into poker you know like i i didn't know any of this stuff and i was really bad at a lot of things and it wasn't for you know the first like 3 years i played i i played poker when i was like 15 16 17 that's all i did you know and like 15 16 17 i didn't make any money uh 18 i was still working on fishing boats i was still you know like i was literally cleaning like the guts of fish off the holes of a ship and barnacles if you can imagine that job it was like my yeah. fourth fourth year before I started doing anything, you know what I mean? So it was, uh, you know, people do this all like 19 overnight success. And it's like, well, man, if you want to say 40 hours a week from like when you're 15, I mean, like, and I was reading, I was studying, I was doing everything. So I really do believe anybody can make it. Now you're talking about a stop loss. Stop loss means I think you're risking too much. I, I think I, the fact you're considering a stop loss to me means whatever you're gambling with you do not feel comfortable with. People always ask me, like, how are you a gambler when you're a Christian? I would say it's a gray line, but here's the thing. Like, if you go to a movie, as some Gilbert Thurston uh, and I were talking about, and we were talking about, you know, if you go to a movie and it's like 30 bucks to go in, you know, but or if you go to a poker tournament, it's 30 bucks to go in. It's it's entertainment both ways. And I, I don't know. I, I didn't go to Deepwater Horizon last night and walk out with $250. That's never going to happen, you know? Like, but... It's a, it can't, when you think of it that way, it's not really gambling. It's kind of a free roll. You went in for entertainment and maybe something cool will happen. But that was kind of the cool thing about poker, the poker hunt in Bothell. It was just in this, uh, these people's house. And like when you were done playing, you know, they were playing Tetris on the big screen. They were all getting together for beers, barbecuing, talking a lot, you know, catching up on sports and stuff like that. It was a good time. And I'm really glad I had that because, I realize this is how poker is supposed to be, right? And every time I'm not making it fun, that's when I start losing. That's when I start not winning. Uh, excuse me. I, I, that was like Donald Trump. 
He just repeats the same thing to get himself some time. Uh, that's when I started losing, not having fun. I didn't say fun. that. I didn't say that. <laughs> he says it four more times. Yeah, I didn't say that. I didn't. We're great, great. My favorite is when he brags about having a club that lets African Americans in. That's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, woo, that's progressive. But yeah, anyway. Uh, or when he well, eats yeah. a taco bowl and says, "I love Hispanics." <laughs> <laughs> it's not even the right term <laughs> like, like latinos brah like but yeah anyway, this election season i really wish i was a comedian that would be the only way i'm getting value out of this you got gary johnson who looks like he's stoned all the time you got hillary clinton who just you know i i i don't know it programmed and then you got donald trump who looks like he's trying to lose it you know every time and they just keep giving him votes right but yeah anyway just like south park said but yeah, I mean, essentially, if you're considering a stop loss, my man, I think you're playing with too much money. And again, remember what I said, if you can't do this for free, you're never going to be able to do it when somebody starts paying you. Uh, the first, let's see, let, let me try to let me try to break this down and give you an idea how long it took. It took me, now everybody knows, like, I, I always tell people I never deposit it. That's the truth. A buddy of mine sent me 50 bucks one night. He said, you go ahead and play with this on full tilt. Uh I made 30 bucks. I sent him back the 50. He protested. He was a good guy. He was like, I think you need the money right now, man, because I wasn't I wasn't doing that well. Right. And he was a good guy. Uh, and I sent it back to him and I've I've never deposited. But it took me longer to get that 30 bucks to a thousand dollars than it took me to get from one thousand to one hundred thousand. Right. Because that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was grind up that bankroll. Right. But I learned so much while doing it. I remember there was like months I couldn't beat like $30 Singos, like $30 Singos were the scariest thing that ever could happen. When the first time I played a $5 tournament and made the final table, like my hands were shaking. I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? And my first thousand tournaments on poker stars, I had a negative 20% ROI. Uh, I couldn't beat the $50 Singos for like six, nine months. Uh, uh, eventually I started playing tournaments. I sucked. And that was where the negative ROI came. I went to, uh, $15 turbos and that's all I played for two months. It was like eight hours a day, $15 turbos, thousands of them right, right at that time. And, uh, me and it was me and space gravy. If anyone can remember that name, he was, uh, actually he's probably still playing. I just never follow poker, but yeah, anyway, it was essentially, I was just grinding them out and people would make fun of me so much. Oh, your shark scope's so bad. Uh, you know what I mean? You you suck at this game. How could you call yourself a professional poker player? When I went back to the poker hut, some people were like, you're playing $16 turbos? Like, how are you doing this for a living? It was like, it's a good question, right? But because I humbled myself and gave myself so much time with the game because I was playing small stakes, eventually things started clicking. So... Uh, my first apartment in Seattle when I was like 18 years old uh, was this it, it was this like seven story pl- it, it, it was this seven story thing that looked like a hotel right one day one of my friends was talking to the manager right and they were like this was an ugly ass hotel right like I mean m- it, it not hotel ugly ass apartment complex right like the walls sometimes were just like that really cheap like kind of plastic kind of cardboard stuff and then like they would have fluorescent lights like blindingly green and white like on the side of the wall and it would just shine into your eyes when you walked into your apartment and you, Jesus right and then you would uh anyway some guy asked the guy 
uh, you know, why, why does this place look like a motel? You know, this doesn't really look like an apartment complex. And he said, oh, this was a motel, but too many people were coming off the freeway to kill themselves here. So I converted it. <laughs> and oh that, that, yeah, that was my first place. One year later, I had a condo in Seoul I was renting and I had a condo in Seattle I was renting and I could go between them depending on when the games were good or when not. And the Seoul schedule was pretty good for cash games because I was fresh when everybody else was at really late during the day and in the United States. And that was really nice. It was, you know, it'd be like 12 there. It'd be like noon and it'd be like 9 p.m. in the States and everybody was just starting to get sauced. And I, I would just be out there and it was really nice. And, you know, people were like, oh, man, you got that dream life. And it was like, oh, no, like <laughs> that was three years of training to get online and then a year of failure online <laughs> before I got there. So, yeah, I really do believe uh, anybody can make it, but you got to play the smallest stakes you can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things started becoming a problem when I more money was being thrown at me because I was like, oh, I'll just use this money to play these big tournaments and stuff like that. And then, you know, you start owing people money and maybe, you know, they're not in the poker industry for, uh, you know, they haven't been in for a long time. So like the makeup totals, like when you're playing 10 Ks, you know what I mean? Like people always hear, oh, so-and-so's got 400 K of making. I'm like, dude, that's 40 buy-ins. <laughs> have yeah. you ever gone? Have you ever Much gone less to 45 guys played 25Ks and stuff? Yeah, exactly. I've never played a 25K in my life. I've had offers, but I, to me, that's just astounding. Yeah, I can't, so especially, yeah, exactly. And you see the blind structures and you're like, this isn't better than like a 1K I played last week. Like, this sucks. Like, if I'm going to play a 25K, I better have six days. Like, it was the old Bellagio, uh, what was it, 25K championship. Is that even still a thing? I don't watch poker on TV. Uh, you know, I think the WPT still does. You know, I think they might have dropped it to like a 10 or 15K uh, championship. I think that's smarter for the economy as a whole. Yeah. I, I like I like these 5Ks. I like these 3Ks. I like separating them all over a bunch of events. Yeah. I mean, that's well, really good for me. Yeah, but yeah. Go we ahead. got a question that kind of leads, th this leads into... Uh, Mega says, "Cool points. So, what's the hardest stake? Uh, what's the hardest stake when moving up? In your opinion, I've heard there's more big blinds per hour and low stakes to win in general. Oh yeah. So, oh, what's the hardest sure. stake to move up in? Two four was I played two four. Uh, I guess you'd say professionally, although I never felt like with tournaments. There's a lot of times I feel like I'm wrangling them. You know, like I got this. Like I never had that feeling with two four, right? But." Like two four is when people start getting really good, right? And especially if you're playing on poker stars like uh, two fifty five, right? That'll definitely uh, that's when you start seeing like all the old school grinders playing there, right? And uh, one two is pretty uh, pretty juicy. Uh, as far as like tournaments, I think once you get, I, I don't know, like if you play like the majors, they play pretty terribly. Uh, I think it's once you start. You know, you get into those like turbos that only the other regs play. I think that's when it gets I, I, it gets to the point. I don't even see the point of playing them. You know, I, I just don't get it. There's so much variance and your edge is so small. I, I don't know why you'd be playing those like 109 turbos to, you know, yeah. other than to be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm here to gamble. Woo, woo, you know, and then uh, but like uh, I guess like it's kind of it's kind of hard for me. Like at the 109s, like the regular speed 109s, you're going to start running into some guys who can play. That tends to be when you start 
seeing the guys who know know how to play ball. So you you got to be on your game because when you get to the final table, you might be playing with a Frost Jocker or someone like that. So yeah, I think that's when it moves up as far as tournaments and cash. Right on, like it. Hit both tournaments and cash. Very yes, efficient. Sir. Yes, sir. No, <laughs> we got I, one more question rolling in from Twitter Sphere. Which I, pro players do you admire most and why? And a second part, and why do you think and any you think never really made their potential and Oh man. Um Shots let's fired. See. Yeah, shots fired. Uh, I don't I don't I'll do that in battle rap. I'll talk crap about you, but <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to poker, y'all didn't sign up for that. So no, I mean, okay, let me well, let me see. All right, we think. can start with the easy one. Pro yeah, players easy that you one. most guys admire. That I, yeah, exactly. The guys that I admire. Um, Faraz Jaka taught me a lot about the game more than probably anybody ever. I still don't really know why he hung out with me so much because he's like, he's he's the life of the party. You know what I mean? I was kind of like Debbie Downer, like, let me listen to my metal and drink coffee. Ah. Right, you know, and I, I, I'd like to think that I would just be hammering on basics all the time. Uh, when it came to poker. And I think maybe that get you know, I, I hope with a guy who can like call with nine high and be right, maybe I provided like a thou art mortal Caesar once in a while, you know, but like this is, this is an idea to give you what a good friend Jacques is. Okay. Like the best, the best like teacher you could have ever had in poker and wasn't even trying to teach. Right. So there was this one time uh, we were playing the Irish poker open. Uh, we, uh, we show up somehow we get put at the same table. It sucks. And, uh, I get one out, I get set over set. The guy one outs me, uh, some guy. Right. And the dealer said the bet amount. And I just kind of threw the chips that were in my hand in front of him. Uh, I, I could have been a little bit more careful. Nobody had, you know, the dealer totally understood. He didn't care. Right. He, uh, they counted off my chips. I was, I, I was pretty much bossed. Right. So we get out there and I'm ready to talk about my bad beat, right? And I'm like, man, I can't believe it. And he was like, why were you pissed? I was like, huh? He was like, why'd you do that to the dealer? You know, <laughs> like, why, why'd you throw the chips like that to him? I was like, what are you talking? Dude, I just got one outed for like 5K. And he was like, yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. What do you care? Like, you know, and he was like, you got to be a professional at all times, buddy. It's not just when you feel like it. You know, and I was like, that really stuck with me that was a huge moment in my life i realized like you know you are what you repeatedly do and i had deliberately taken a bad attitude over something i had no control over i was being super immature right and that was kind of you know that was a that's a real good lesson about how to get value out of life right you got your your it your response is always up to you that's the only thing you have control over uh, if you if you guys are into reading, check out Man's Search for Meaning. It's uh, it's by a gentleman uh, who's since passed, uh, Victor Frankel. Uh, this was a, I believe he was a psychiatrist who he went to the Nazi death camps, and he wrote a book about his search for meaning when he lost his wife, he lost his parents, he lost everybody, and the it's one of the most life-changing books you will ever read, right? And it was pretty much the same thing what Jocko was saying is like, you can always decide your response wherever you are. And Jocko was always trying to get value out of everything, right? Like I'd be the guy like, dude, I cannot believe we're standing on a train in Italy for four hours to San Remo 
and we're hung over. Uh, I'm hung over. <laughs> me and me and Paul Verano are hung over, right? And they're not even letting us sit down, and it's hot. And Jaco would be like, "Dude, who gets to go in Italy to go to a 5K tournament in a crowded train?" through the heart of Italy and get to talk to all these people and get to know, like he was seeing like the positive and everything. Right. And then I started, you know, I, I started seeing like life can be one of the, like life can be amazing if you're really just trying to enjoy like the little things, because the big things don't happen a lot. You know what I mean? You're not going to score the winning touchdown that many times in your life. Right. So if you're constantly looking for that and not trying to just get joy out of every day, you're not going to be a good poker player. I don't think. Uh, you're certainly not going to maintain yourself that well, and you're not going to, you're not really going to do that well in life, you know? And that, that was one of the cool things poker taught me, which I think if I was working in an office and had everything taken care of for me, I, I don't think I would have gotten that lesson. Uh, people who never quite lived up to their potential. Well, I got to be honest with you guys. I don't really follow, uh, I, I don't really follow poker like I used to like everybody goes oh do you know who's at your table I'm like I, I couldn't care less like I, I <laughs> if you can tell me a strategy read on him that's great but if you're going to tell me what he won I really don't care because a, a, any dumb ass can win a tournament okay like anyone I've seen it happen before but there who didn't live up to their potential uh there's you know I the the thing is is like that would mean I would have to. Yeah, we don't need to put him on blast. We can nah, we can drop that one. Yeah, I, I think mean, we like, covered I two some of the. Answer. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we we covered a lot of the. You covered a lot of the points of, you know, with previous questions of how, you know, stop There's losses a, and things like that and things that can get in, in the way of your growth. Right. Taking well, uh, good me, players, let, you know, yeah, ideas me, for gospel. Let, let me talk about it a bit, just because the, you will know exactly who I'm talking about once I'm done with this. Okay. <laughs> You will, you will know what's going on. Not right? that we're and, naming names. No, we're not naming names, but you're going you're gonna to be able to apply this to hundreds of guys. There is a thing with poker where you got to ask why you're doing it, right? Now, the, I play poker because it gives me the time to do what I want. I get to do all the other things I want. So I've tried to write fiction. That's not something a lot of people know. I wrote a, an entire manuscript. I send it off. I read it. It's a complete piece of crap. It's never going to get published. Right. You know what I mean? I wrote short stories. Nobody ever published them. Uh, I wrote, I finally wrote a book. It works, but like I get to write, I get to do what I love. Right. I, I get to do what I love because of poker and poker has become something I love quite a bit because it gives me so much freedom. Right. If you do not have that end goal, you will see this happen with a lot of guys. I cannot tell you how many guys I've heard. I'm trying to buy a house from this game. I'm trying to retire my parents and then that's it. Right. And that's every time when they get the score, they don't really do that. You know what I mean? Unless there was a really good family structure before they're because they're really empty. They're, they're empty. They really wonder what their life, what their life purpose is. Right. So like, I mean, we all know this, uh, maybe somebody in your neighborhood, it's like, Oh, you know, his dad died and they left him $2 million. And, you know, he was just right as rain after that. Nobody ever hears that story. You know what I mean? It's always like, yeah, well, you know, the guy started dabbling a little bit with the drink and he wasn't doing that well. You know what I mean? So he had to go to a clinic. However, this story you hear, it's like, oh, his parents left him a lot of money and then he started working out of his soup kitchen. 
and he was doing a lot better. Men need like a reason to drive. And if you don't have that, you're just going to keep reaching for the stars. I cannot tell you. I had this thing when I started in poker. I was like, these guys are better than you at poker right now. These guys are luckier than now, but than you now, but you're going to outweigh them. Uh, you're going to outwork them and you're going to outlast them. And seven years later, by the time I had outlasted them, I had realized I didn't wish any ill on these people ever. I just felt horrible because I cannot tell you how many guys I know who really loved poker, really enjoyed poker, and then made all the money, thought it was going to save them everything. Uh, it was going to, you know, it was going to save them from themselves. They were going to be happy people. And it's like money doesn't make you happy. You know what I mean? It's if you're an asshole before money, you will be an asshole after money. It's not going to help you know how to talk to a woman. It's not going to keep you skinny. Can't buy a new asshole. You. No, you can't. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I've tried. But yeah, anyway, they were like, no, I mean, like, it's not going to teach you how to talk to a woman. It's not going to teach you how to perform something you really enjoy. It's not going to teach you uh, what you really love doing. That, those are all things you have to earn by yourself. You know, and there's a lot of guys that unfortunately, I think, you know, they went higher stakes, they scammed their backers and stuff like that. And it's just, it's really sad because it's like, man, this was supposed to be a game. This was supposed to be fun. You know what I mean? Like, isn't this why you started? Is it was supposed to be fun? You know what I mean? And then, yeah, it becomes tough, you know, it becomes tough. But yeah, anyhow, anyhow, you got another question before I cut you off, my bad. Uh, Akon007. Thanks for the question, bud. There are so many to choose from when it comes to coaching. You can give a good explanation of how, can you give a good explanation of how to choose the right one? Yeah, and uh, remember, this is coming from a guy that does not do that much private coaching anymore. I I really thought it was inefficient. I'm, I'm really liking my group classes. Uh, I have one group class going on right now with Live Poker 101. Uh, if you guys want more information, you can write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com or alex at pokeredrush.com. And uh, sorry, I know that's a lot. You don't have to type oh, that, get the Chase. Points in, bud. No, they're, they're, uh, I, I've been hearing Chase typing all that, and I'm like, oh, man, that's tough. But yeah, uh, no, I mean, if you guys want to be in that class, that's cool. But like, this is what I did over a thousand lessons with over a thousand students. And like, this is. Uh, when you write a coach, first off, just say like, uh, this is what I'm trying to do with my game. What would be your plan as to what to do with it? And if they say something like, I, I have like a, I have a plan, I have something to show you. Right. I, I, they, that's usually a really good sign because I've had guys write me and say, this is what I want to work on. And if I don't know how to teach them, I just go, I can't help you. Right. And, you know, people write me back like, you're going to turn me down? You know, and I'm like, yeah, I, if I can't do my job, I'm not going to charge money for it. You know what I mean? And then, uh, but if you write me pretty much anything that having to do with no limit hold'em tournaments, I can create a lesson around it because I've studied all that stuff. And I think it's really, I took this pretty far, but like I'd write them back, you know, like, yes, I, I definitely can train you as far as this and this. And then when you showed up, you would get, you know, I, I would have specific things planned out. Right. And usually there should be a little questionnaire, uh, before you start with someone or if there's not a questionnaire at the beginning of my lessons, I would always tack on 10 minutes to whatever they paid for, because the first 10 minutes I'd be like, okay, how long have you played? What do you play? What stakes? 
Where do you live? What do you do for a living? I want to know like the whole, I want to know like the whole, oh, how many hours a week are you studying? How many hours a week are you playing? Uh, where are you playing? How do you feel it's going? Do you have a database? And now a lot of that I did with the questionnaire, but I had a plan set up for if you were going to, if you needed help with this, this, or this, I had a plan for that. I put a lot of work in ahead of time. If you're picking a coach, I would look at what they contribute to like training video sites and stuff like that. A lot of, a lot of really good coaches will work with a training video site or they'll have their own thing going and, or they'll have stuff on YouTube. And if you hear, you know, if you watch those videos and you go, Oh, this seems like somebody I could work with. Then you got to also, you can check out their reviews. Uh, pocket fives does have a section where people can review coaches. Uh, if you, it's okay if they have like one or two bad, uh, reviews because that'll let you know they're letting through everything. Uh, but you can't work with, if you're going to work with a hundred students, there's just going to be one you don't gel with or doesn't feel like they got a, a lot right. of people look for a magic bullet and they're not going to get it. Right. But sure. They see, just want the miracle cure and you're saying, Hey, you need to grind out your study sessions. Yeah, here. exactly. People don't like hearing that uh, a lot of the time. Well, I mean, uh, I've had people like want to get off the call with me because I say, I say like, I'm sorry, it's never going to happen. If you're going to do it this way, like, uh, don't mortgage your house, keep your job, stuff like, you know, but you know, don't slam heroin before breakfast, you know, basic stuff. But there's essentially like you want to see that they have a really good track record, a lot of reviews, and you got to remember sometimes, uh, people will get refunded their money back. If they if they promise not to leave a bad review, I've heard of a lot of coaches doing that stuff. If a coach is really testy on the time, that's a really bad sign for me. Um, there's been a few times I've had to rush up lessons just because I have one right afterward, right? And I, I need to get get out of there. But it, if it's six or nine minutes of the person's time and you, you haven't now you got to respect them too. Like if they give you six or nine minutes or 15 minutes sometimes happens with me, right. Of extra time, the next lesson, you know, don't expect that they were probably finishing a thought or they had something they wanted to work on with you. You know what I mean? But sure. if they were really testy, like if they were like, Oh, time's up, let's go. You know, uh, that I think really puts a, uh, that's, that to me shows inexperience because that's the fastest way to put a bad taste in someone's mouth. You know what I mean? They're paying you a hundred, two hundred dollars an hour. And it, remember, you don't have a degree from anywhere. This is all, re, you know, it's really much more about the satisfaction of the customer, right? And uh, so you really need to be on point when it comes to that. So yeah, those are the things I would look at. Nice, nice. Uh, totally off topic. I have a guy in chat asking me how much to cut my beard. Holding firm at $30,000. <laughs> How long have you had the beard? Oh, we're going on about two years now. Two years. It's so a lot of you, work. Had, you had it before all the other douchebags had yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I'm the yeah. trendsetter. I'm not just so did, hopping on there. Did that piss you off when they would have their plaid shirts and they were eating their vegan tacos? <laughs> They're talking yeah, about you know, I'm not, I'm not some punk that just the plaid shirt and a beard one day, you know. Yeah, no, it looks pretty fully formed. It's a gorgeous oh, yeah. beard. I'm gonna oh, say thank that. You. Yeah, no, I, there's some people that can't pull off the beard, man. I, when I was commercial fishing, I grew a beard. 
looked very look, looked very bad. Did not I was not getting into Beard Weekly, man. It looked pretty bad. But yeah, and it, it would change. Does yours grow weird colors ever? Uh, I mean, sometimes I'll get a hair that's like dying and turns white or gray, but. Ah, oh, that's it. Yeah, I would get I would get like red hairs out of nowhere, and I I don't I'm not red haired, right? Yeah, I have like brown nobody hair in my family beard. is. Yeah, yeah, it's a, I don't know. I always found my beard grew grew weird, but yeah. Anyway, any off topic stuff? You guys can ask <laughs> us whatever if we have time. Yeah, I think we got uh one more question here, and then I think we'll call it a wrap. All From right, Mojo, Mojo Let's wants to know, Alex. <laughs> How do you keep from becoming scared money when you are on a downswing and all your premium hands seem to get outdrawn? Uh, you got to move down. Uh, a lot of people disagree with me on that. I, I think you got to move down. You got to you got to grind out of it. You got to move down to the stakes. Remember, remember what we were talking about. Like if you treat this as like entertainment uh, through gambling, you should be playing an amount you can afford to lose. And if you lose the money, you'll be all right with it. But if you make the money, you'll feel great about it. So like when I was doing really bad at MTTs, like high stakes MTTs, I'd go back to sit and goes, right? Uh, when I was doing really bad, I was doing really bad at 400 NL. I didn't move down to 200 NL. I moved down to 100 NL. And everybody made fun of me uh, because back then, you know, 2007, 2008, you know, everybody was pretending to be this baller who never really existed who just had millions of dollars you can't make a living at 100 nl i made 5k that week i didn't even look at my cashier i just played four or five hours every day and i just had fun the entire time you know i knew i had like a thousand bucks in my account and at the time i could lose that and i'd be all right you know i had like five thousand in my name you know so if i went from five to 4k it wouldn't be pleasant but it, it was going to be okay and I just played and I never checked my cashier. And at the end, I checked the cashier and it was like $6,433 or something absurd. And I was like, what? At the end of the week? And that was just because I was having fun. I was enjoying myself. And uh, I played really scared money. The first time I got into 100K makeup, I got into 100K makeup in 2008. By the way, back then, nobody was backed, supposedly, right? It was like, I would never get backing. That shows you're a loser. You're not a real poker player. I'm not making this up. That's what they used to say, right? And people would be like, what's your makeup total? I'm socially retarded, so I didn't understand this would be bad. But I was like, oh, 100K. And they were like, you must be the worst player on earth. You're backed and you're in six figures of makeup. I was like, dude, I was playing 10K. It's like, what'd you, you know what I mean? And then eventually I started listening to everybody. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I'm really bad at this. How am I ever going to pay this person back? And I was like, dude, just go in, have fun with it. See what happens. And I kept doing that. I kept having fun. I kept moving down. And then, you know, I satellited into a Sunday million, a final table day, yeah, la, la, la. you know, like it, it went well, but if you gotta, I, I think you gotta move down. Uh, people always say like, take a break. I think you can take too long of a break, but if you're going to take a break, like really take a break, don't be like, uh, I mean like playing PlayStation is great. I love my PlayStation, but like, if I need to take a break, like what I do is I go out to this cabin in the mountains right here and I'll just hang out there for two days and I'll read and chill and walk around in the nature and all that. And I, I try to really get away from the screens for a while. And when I come back, I'm really refreshed. And then if you move down in stakes, you don't have this like pressure to perform that you had before. So you're more likely to have fun with it from that point on. Love it. Great answer. Well, Alex hit me with all the plugs um, yes, sir. 
Uh, well, I Before think we, we go, shout out to Barry. Send my regards to Barry. I got oh, to be sure, Barry man. for the day on Ask Alex. <laughs> yeah, you did. And you had to put up with me. Rant. Hey, you almost got 22 words in. You almost beat Barry's <laughs> record. Good for you, man. You know, <laughs> and uh, real verbose behind that beard. But yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, here's the plugs. Uh, I mean, essentially, if you guys want to get the free content, like I, I put out. Uh, I put out articles all the time. I put out free videos all the time, but they're all over the internet. If you want to get all of them just sent to you, uh, to your email, sign up for that newsletter at pokerheadrush.com. Uh, check out my battles online. Just put assassinato versus and you should see them. There's, uh, uh, I, I'm not going to say I'm good at it. Although a lot of people do seem to be entertained by them. I do seem to be able to write things that can make people laugh or horrify you. So, yeah, check that out. And, uh, yeah, uh, sign up for that newsletter. And, yeah, if you're interested in Live Poker 101, write me at alex at, uh, at, alex at pokerheadrush.com. Uh, think, check out America's Card Room's blog for my newest articles. And check out Pick my podcast. Che- check out, yeah, I, was just, I, I just realized that. I was like, you idiot, you should get that faster. <laughs> like, but, yeah, oneouter.com is my free podcast. We do it every week. And uh, that was what Chase was referencing as far as Barry. Uh, Barry's my wry Scottish co-host who likes to insult me as I get on my rants, but he, he's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, check out the One Outer podcast and pick up the myth of poker talent. It is less money, literally, than a large pizza and a Coca-Cola at Papa John's. And this is much, much, much better for you than a Papa John's pizza most of the time. Anyway, you check it out. Get that book. It's a good. I put, you know what, man? I put a year of my life into that book. I, manuscripts on manuscripts on manuscripts and so many cups of coffee spilled. While, you know, just sitting in my couch, like editing and editing and second second versions, third versions. It's it's out. It's good. Check it out. Read it at Barnes and Noble. Take take <laughs> take photos. photos. Page. <laughs> yeah, just get it somehow. Actually, don't do that. My publisher will get mad at you. Don't be. Don't be a jackass. It's 25 bucks. Anyhow. All right. We good? All right, bro. We're good. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it, Alex. It was fun. Thank you, sir. This is a great time. Y'all have a good day. All right, bro. Have a good Sunday. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it for our Q&A with Alex. So grateful that I got the opportunity to host a Q&A with Alex. I read The Myth of Poker Talent to prep for this and I can say with no prompting with no kickbacks for myself it was a great book and well worth a read so if you guys please give your love to Alex now as we look back at top two poker podcast we have had a lot of strategy discussion recently we had guest Derek Killingbird 10 Bush as well as now Alex Fitzgerald so looking forward the next podcast on top two it's going to be something very personal for drew and myself and that will be us chatting about our faith in jesus christ and the impact of that in our lives and our poker lives so i'm excited to share that and hopefully listeners you will get to know us a little better after that it'll be business as usual and we have plans in mind for a discussion on bankroll management as always guys keep your questions rolling in to top two poker top2podcast at gmail.com. We have a few that we didn't get to on our last mailbag, but we're always looking to answer your questions as a listener. 
We love you guys. We love our audience. And we want to give you guys as much as we can that will benefit your game specifically. So grind on, my faithful followers. And if you haven't followed yet, hit the follow. Give us a review. And we will talk to you next podcast.